Good evening, folks. Uh, how do we put it? It wasn't pretty. It wasn't great. But I mean, as we said last week on the show, it's episode 33 of season three. We'll take three points anyway. Anyway, we can get them at this stage of the season. To join us nice and early, we'll bring in a regular to our show, CC Kieran Callan. How are we this evening? Very good. Thank you very much for having me as always. As a not in a nutshell, just to kind of look at we, we've gone one a lot very early, but in context of the last we asked Nile last week as well, in context of the last couple of weeks, you know, Shelburne draw last week with Key and the in the European, we'll try and get make out a distant memory as quick as we can. But <laughs> following on even from last week's draw, we were kind of saying, you know, we always get that little kick in the teeth. We always mm. you know, we struggle to not concede, you know. That I kind of I think I actually said last week. We might it might take two every week. Every every week we play, it might take two goals to win a game. And then tonight mm-hmm. we go out and lo and behold, giving him the kiss of death. We've only taken one nil, you know, one goal to win it. But overall, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty of it, what do we think is the game? I think this game won't live long in the memory um, for a lot of Dundalk fans. But as I said in my video report at the end of it, is this going to be one of these games that we'll forget about? We scrape through, and it could be the vital three points that we need in order to qualify for Europe or in the top four, which could lead us to. Um, a very promising position come the come the end of the season. Look, it it was a game that was more tense than had flair in it, and I think at times we kind of made it a little. If I'm going to be reflecting honestly, I think we made it an awful lot harder than it needed to be. Mm. I think Sligo were very wasteful, and they they I say they'd be good, driving back to Sligo this evening, wondering how they didn't get something out of that game today, and that's being honest. Um, even the last kick of the game from you know from Galen, where where you're kind of going, oh God, here we go, and you know Nathan Shepherd once again, you know, saves the day for us. And look at you could see the relief, but even around the ground, you could sense the tension, you could sense the frustration. There was a lot of times where we had an awful lot of the ball, but not an awful lot of uh, kind of how to say intensity behind it and that's something that really kind of needs to come into these last nine games now that we're heading into that we need to just kind of up our levels a little bit like we have shown during the course of this season that we can we can mix it with the best of them and you know like we we've, we've caught team i wouldn't say we've caught teams on the hop but we've definitely caught teams with surprising results and with surprising performances and i think it's just that level of consistency and that has to come against the Shamrock Rovers and the Sligo Rovers of the of this world. And look, we got through the result today. Daniel Kelly took his opportunity. You know, Yanis Ilicoco had two opportunities, Patrick Hoban as well. Um it, it was just one of those nights where we're gonna forget about it. The three points in the clean sheet, we can go home happy, but there's still a lot more questions than answers. Yeah, I think kind of a, a weekly trend, probably definitely. I, I won't speak for other podcasts, but definitely a weekly trend in this podcast is, you know, the results are few and far between. We will get wins like this, but it seems to be that performance, that kind of, I, I, I you know, I don't want to sound cliche, but it seems to be, I, I look, we're talking about three points here. We've got three points in the bag. We should be really celebrating the win, which we will do. And look, we're delighted mm. to get three points. Yeah. But a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of messages out tonight and, a lot of stuff on Twitter, you know, we're lucky to get the three points. Sometimes you need a bit of luck, but I think with the performances, they've been that kind of shallow and lackluster. And, you know, it's 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 taken probably a lot of luck. I mean, like you say, Dickie Kelly scored after 10, 11 minutes, but Sligo Rover should have been just ahead, just literally mm. just a couple of seconds before it. So, you know, although we've got a little bit of luck there, we haven't really taken the game to them then. You know, they kind of be classed as, I think there's 10 points of the difference, 13 now, but... They're probably one of the weaker teams we've played, the so-called weaker teams in the league, even though it is tight enough. 
but we, we just can't seem to finish teams off. We can't seem to get a hold of the game and carry through. Like, you know, a 1-0 win is literally just, it, it's like we've probably dodged a bullet. We've just won 1-0. It's not like we've battered them off the field on a 1-0 and should have scored five. Mm. We just can't seem to finish teams off and take the game with the scruff of the neck when we get the lead. I'd agree with you there. I think that that's something that, in reality, we need to kind of wonder what's... Tactically, I think Stephen O'Donnell is, is, you know, he's playing players at his, you know, at, at mm. what is at his disposal. But when they're crossing, when they cross that white line, there's there's sometimes kind of a little bit of apathy. And I know that's probably very harsh to come across to the players, but yeah. there has been times where I'm kind of going, this passing across the back four, kind of looking for an opening. There's no kind of pressing forward that there used to be and playing from the back and then, you know, pushing through the midfield. And the one thing I will say that kind of surprised me a little bit, and it's been kind of something that maybe a lot of questions have been asked of him during the course of the year, this year, and that's Connor Malley. Connor Malley, since Daryl Horgan has arrived, all of a sudden seems to have gone, oh, hold on a second, maybe I need to up my mm-hmm. game here because there's somebody who's just as talented as me. And that shows that that's the frustrating thing because... He in bursts has shown his talent and shown yeah. exactly what kind of capable of a player he is. And tonight he showed that with these kind of little bursting runs, but they were few and far between. Yeah. And when he does that, the whole team kind of pushes with him. And it's the same with Daryl. And um, I felt sorry for, for one player in particular, Rhino Kane, just seems that everything he tried to do this evening, it just didn't work for him. He was he had a really, really frustrating evening. He got very, very annoyed and Funny enough, um, we were speaking to the James Rogers afterwards, and James won't have any problem. Uh, it seems that Levac and uh, Yili Coco's kind of coming together in the box was a stonewall penalty. Mm. So we did get that rub of the green tonight. We yeah. did get that, you know, that little bit of luck. And maybe that's something that we've been kind of missing during the course of this year because there's been a couple of games where we have played well and have been at the wrong end of the result. Whereas tonight's one of those nights where we kind of rode our luck our times. And we did get the result, and that's exactly what you need coming into the last series of games. Yeah, we mentioned we mentioned last week. We I think we might have got it wrong. We said nine games, but ten, a ten game block almost kind of, you know. I, I think we, I think we were guilty of saying this last season as well. The last six or five or six games, like a mini league. You know, we mm. didn't get off to the best start last week against Shelburne, but you know, even when you think about it, considering that we've we've had that little bit of luck tonight. Now, like you say, we'll get on to that penalty instance as well. For me, an absolute stone wall. I think we definitely 100% dodged the bullet there. Yeah. But like, even when you compare it to last week, it's the same, it's almost the same lackluster performance, but we've got that win tonight. When we look back next week now and think, or last week, God, we really should have got three points last week. You know, we, you know, we dropped two points there. Mm. Could we, you know, we should be really on a six point double winning game, yeah. you know, streak going into the next week's match in the cup games. And I think that kind of performance tonight, whether or not we would have able to produce that last week and get a result, I don't know, but we it's hard to describe. Like you said, Conor Malley there today, playing with Daryl Hogan. We've had Rhino Kane have a batter, you know, not a batter of chances, but mm. chances that he wouldn't have got last week. Like he skied one over the bar last week against Shelburne as well. It's just those little things that we may look back last week and think, God, if we had got Shelburne three points there, we get over tonight, although it be a dodgy penalty, like a roll reverse where we get a little bit of luck. It builds up lovely for the cup. Mm. You know, we're kind of going into yeah. that little bit of momentum. And it, 
I just don't, I hope we don't look back to last week's games and God, those two points are actually going to cost us now, but maybe a European spot if we don't go win the cup. And it seems to be just that in and out, inconsistent season that we're having where we can probably play worse tonight and get the win <laughs> and not be able to get in to get a Shelburne. Luckily, we were never going to get a win on Shelburne last week. And like you say, even in the last couple of minutes, Lego tonight, they're probably going to hit the winner. You know, if, he had, yeah. if, it goes, if it goes two or three foot either side of Sheps there just at the end, it's, it's sorry, not a winner, an equaliser. And I suppose that's our little bit of luck show and training. You're hoping now we can carry that over the next couple of weeks. Mm. Well, look, without trying to look too forward into next mm. week, like, you know, I'm kind of looking at it at the opposite kind of way. I'm, I'm kind of saying next week is a great opportunity for you're playing against the first division side. They're not yeah. exactly on, on, a, on, a, on a good run at the moment. It's the idea of a tune-up game where you kind of, you know, fix a little bit of niggles mm. and maybe get two or three up and get boost a bit, a bit of confidence going into those last couple of weeks. You're into the next round of the cup, but also you might get a good performance in and Bray. And Bray has been a happy hunting ground for Dundalk over yeah. the past number of years. So that's something that, that kind of be in the mindset of, but then again, cup games are tricky at the best of times you know and you could just get Bray Wanderers on the bench where they could just pull out a great performance and, and turn us over so That's it's the worry yeah it, it, that is the worry but I think in reality we have the quality that we, we we should be in a position where we where we would beat them but there's certain games that you're you know and this happened under Stephen Kenny at Hundred under Vinny. It happened under 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 every manager where there's games that we we recorded a win, we wrote our luck, we got through it, and you sit back and you say to yourself in the end, Jesus, just forget about it and move on. That could just be one of those games. Yeah. And last week against Shelburne, I thought, you know, we were leading, we were in control. And then in the in the last kind of couple of minutes, I think it was even that hesitancy where you kind of knew that we were coming to the end of the game where th- we kind of didn't really keep our composure. And that led to, mm. to, to Harry Wood getting the equaliser, who, by the way, was absolutely excellent during the course of that game. He really showed, like, you know, I know he's on loan from Hull, but he's really making a mark of what, what he could benefit to that side going into the in the last couple of weeks um, of the season when he's on loan at the club. Like, I mean, Dundalk just need to kind of maintain their composure, maintain their concentration. And I said this to you off air, Darren Brownlee looks like he's that kind of solid, positive influence that we need from the back. And I think that that's something that we've been kind of missing this se- this season. He's been a Brit. I just seen the the, the uh, mention there. He's been brilliant to the. He has been. He was excellent tonight. And I think that that's something that Stephen definitely has found a wee bit of a diamond in the rough or whatever. He is just absolutely fantastic. And he's definitely what Dundalk need. He's the same kind of build and tenacity as Brian Gartland. I think that that's something that we've been kind of missing. Now, I know that the 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 town or not the town and the press box podcast have been calling it this week. You know, we still are missing that all illustrious number six, the Chris mm. Shields, the Greg Bulger, whoever it may be, to cover that back four. And whether that's Conor Malley or whether that's Greg Sloggett, that's something that needs to be addressed going into these last couple of games. If we can get those kind of two little two to three slots right, we're going to be very hard to beat, but we're going to be very potent going forward. And um, because the one thing I've noticed is that the dog tactically have deployed Daryl Horgan in a more central position. And that seems when that starts to click, it could really pay dividends. Yeah, I think even even on Brownie, we I, I know Chris had mentioned him last week. We'd spoken about 
you know, even the, not, not to talk about last week's game, but even the substitution taking Brownlee off for Andy Boyle was probably one of the most stranger things we've seen all season. But Brownlee has, I know his match fitness would have taken, he's been off for a couple of weeks, but like Daryl Hogan, you know, we didn't know what kind of minutes we were going to get out of him. But again, I have to agree with Mark, completely, absolutely solid again. Mm. You'd mentioned Colin Malley. Colin Malley, for me, you know, I think we'd said it earlier on in the season, probably one of the most technically gifted footballers I've seen, yeah. in a, you know, in, a, in the Dundalkers in the last couple of seasons, but really hasn't got going. Like you, you'd mentioned at the top of the show, you know, playing with someone like a hog and Rhino Kane outside you, Dickie Kelly on the right, you know, he it allows him that little bit of freedom mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, get the ball down and move it. He looked really sharp at the ball, albeit probably not run the miles he normally runs, but definitely looked a lot sharper on the ball, a lot quicker to move the ball tonight. So maybe that is that little bit of confidence where the back line, the likes of Brownlee, is maybe there's maybe there's something there that right he's a little bit more solid than I that, that the way I prefer to play gives you a little bit more freedom to move and then you've got the likes of Hogan albeit Hogan's taken off 60 odd minutes into the game could be a match fitness thing but yeah. I think definitely this could be this period of games we might just see the best you know of, of what Stevie sees in, in Conor Malley over the next couple of weeks I think that's something that probably look forward as a dog fan we might see this player that we we definitely know was in there and I'll bring in I'll bring in uh, Mr. Clark as well, because we've mentioned, we've mentioned Conor Malley a good type, few times on this show, but mm. we're hoping that maybe over the next couple weeks, definitely tonight, I thought he was excellent with the ball, and this could be now his period, just to come in these last couple of games, just to give us that little bit of a player that we've been looking for all season. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I, well, look, to tell the truth, I think any of our midfielders that wants to step up, <laughs> I think we're calling for somebody <laughs> just to do it in some games, and, and tonight was just exactly one of those. I just thought, it's like we got we got out of first gear into second gear, scored our goal, and then realised well, we can just stay here in second gear this whole mm. bloody match. Yeah. And and that seemed to be kind of the way we cruised to it. Um, I, I just caught the very end of, of your uh, Brownlee conversation there. Yeah, I, I I'm really impressed with him. Mm-hmm. His his really positioning um, is much better. He actually, for me, sometimes maybe the the even though he's got such international pedigree with, with Ansley, there sometimes can be just a little mistaken or he just overthinks the situation possibly. And I just think when, since Brownlee's come in there and a few games we've seen, he's a real calming influence mm. um, in that defence and it's it's good to see. Um, but um, yuck, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take any of our, you know, probably, I, I think every so often we see this with, with Conor Malley, just a, a game every so often you go, there's something there going. There sure, is, oh yeah. But that's the most frustrating thing about this is that you, you're very much aware that he's a talented player. Yeah. Steven sees it. We all see it. We all know. And I think but I think that alludes just to my previous point that he's now starting to get players around him. And I'd mm-hmm. love to see what would happen if, and I know that it'll cause selection headaches, but if Alfie Lewis kicks in. Robbie Benson comes back into the side and we all know how technically gifted he is. And, you know, and those kind of players around him, like it's going to give him the freedom of choice and, and Greg Slogger as well. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Greg Slogger. Like it, it gives him the opportunity, as Gary was saying, to push forward and to flourish and think. And I think that's probably, maybe he's been asked to do specific jobs during the course of the year and that's probably frustrated mm-hmm. him a little bit. Whereas now he's kind of seen the opportunities to push forward and just kind of do those little things that he's that he's well known for, that we might see a different player coming into these last couple of weeks. 
yeah, and I'd say Skip would probably would welcome that as well because I mm. think he's also looking for somebody because, like you say, th that middle of the park is definitely a selection headache for him mm. because it's a bit like the back line. We've seen multiple combinations of players now at this stage <laughs> that it, 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 the back of Skip's mind every so often has to be a thing of, you know, what is my best? What is my favourite line? Yeah. If I can have it, what is that? It's just, it never, he's never been in a situation where he can play everybody fully fit and have that selection heading. There's a, yeah. like you say, there's a Robbie Benson's out or Wardy's out and someone's only coming back from injury. You're trying to mind them coming back. Can you get the best out of this player? You know, it's it's, a, it's been a minefield for Stephen really oh. over the past few weeks. And you just hope that, that a victory like tonight where you don't overly play great, mm. but at the same time, you can say we kept a clean sheet. We've, you know, got some minutes into certain players' legs when they're needed as well. Mm. Like, there's there, there's definitely things to be said. Like, you know, Kelly with another goal again, like, in particular, in the first half, I thought he was exceptional. Yep. Yeah. Exceptionally good. He, he ran the channels. He hurried the defence. He, you know, obviously scored his goal. Brilliant, brilliant header at the back post. Like, but he done, he done the things that, isn't easy sometimes on that pitch, and that's you know chasing down dead balls because it saps your energy right out. Of you. Yeah. And um, but you know he he's done it well. I think I, I've probably missed it. I don't know. You've probably gone through kind of starting lineups or whatever like that. But we we had a selection headache in, in the gantry trying to figure out who the hell's playing left back. Yeah. That's very yeah. We're like, what's going on here? Do you know? So I can only assume Darley he must have some knock that. Stephen's not willing to to start, especially when he especially when he comes it. on. It'd be different mm. if he's out of the squad completely. But when you seem to bring him on, then with twenty odd minutes to go, whatever it was, you know, you're kind of thinking, well, it's 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 not ability, so it's got to be no. maybe just be carrying that little bit of a niggle. I remember Boylock carrying seen, one last but year. But we've seen Anthony play. Yeah, we've seen Anthony play left back in preseason at the start of the season. Yeah, well, I thought that was the most natural choice. Was Muller moves in, and then I went. But then Boyler's on the bench, so yeah. why wouldn't you play? Why wouldn't you play Andy Boyle as a centre back if if he was? I I I, I was I was baffled at once, but we got away with it. So well, that, and that's it. That's my, what saying, like, my only problem was every time Muller received the ball, I think he went inside on his right, yeah, one, and it yeah. just narrowed the pitch for us, and yeah. um, quite a lot towards natural left footer. It opens up. It allows Ryan to kind of push on a little bit. And receive the ball kind of over the top or in an arching ball where he's running on, on the defender, and and that's like that's what we see the best out of, out of uh, Ryan O'Kane towards. I found this time because Muller's cutting in each time, kind of Ryan O'Kane's receiving the ball and then having to turn his body to take on the defender. So he's not a full tilt um, a lot. And I think we kind of see him kind of stop start or he was just the wrong side of the ball one or one or two occasions today as well. And I think we probably just didn't see the best of Ryan's game tonight. No. And the, the pitch definitely <laughs> played a part now for him tonight because I oh. there was some whereabouts. <laughs> without, without being uh, all KA a, a curry on it, I do think the pitch is starting to hinder yeah. our performances more and more mm -hmm. as this goes on. Like they like they were watering the pitch before the game. Um, it's it's but I think it's 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 a question now that needs to be kind of asked, you know, coming to the end of this, I'm I'm not too sure about the, the lifespan. I understand that these 4G, 5G pitches do have a lifespan. I'm not too sure what the lifespan is on this pitch. I know Derry City 
have been told that essentially they have to change theirs mm. um at, at the end of this year. I don't know if Dundalk is at the is at the same um elk, but it is definitely something that that probably needs to be looked at because um uh, without without pushing too much on the owners or anything like that, but it is impacting our performances. It is impacting uh, various aspects of 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 attack and play and phases mm. of play and even mm-hmm. just judging the bounce of the ball and stuff like that. The players don't look comfortable on it. No, and you can see the energy of people. You can stepping back. Do I go yeah. to the ball? Do I let it bounce? Mm. It's very hard to judge. But even when we were in Gibraltar, um, one of the things that I, I just commented on, like you know, I, we're all very familiar with it at this stage. You know that new pitch smell that comes with those five G pitches. It was yeah, the first yeah. thing that kind of hit me when I walked into the into the stadium. And I said to James Rogers, I was like have they changed the pitch and he was like no i don't think so and then i pointed over like they literally had the old pitch rolled right to say you could see it right, on the camera you could see it yeah, i was kind of going well they obviously have and you got that kind of smell and there, there was a you know it was very evident but the dog play like despite the searing heat the dog were more comfortable on that pitch than they are on their own hmm. and mm-hmm. if that is going to be a situation i think it's it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had not at the end of the season it needs to be had now are we yeah. going to revert to a new 5G pitch? Are we going to pay for an installation of a new 5G pitch? Or are we going to explore the option of a grass pitch? Now, I know Martin Connolly has said, um, he said it last year, that due to the fact of the, the sheer volume of teams that are playing, the 5G pitch is obviously the option. But I think there needs to be that exploration now of are we going with another artificial surface or are we going to go with grass? And I think that needs to happen now. Um, before the season and I think Stephen O'Donnell and the players need to be brought into the conversation yeah, yeah I, think. I think I think that's a, that's a fair point and, and and I suppose the question that everyone lives there here is you know who, who pays for that I think that's probably that's probably where um, yeah. you know be problem look someone who's who's waxed lyrical about these pitches for long enough as well uh, we'll bring in uh, extratime.com's uh, Tom O'Connor Tom how are you all guys, good to see you. Ah, maybe not, thank you. Maybe not. There we go. Yeah. Oh, I've been. Oh, oh. It's like there the hokey go. pokey. Here we go. <laughs> no, Tom, Tom doesn't want to join me. He, he doesn't like me. <laughs> Is it better if I kill the camera? Yo, grand. Yeah, we'll we'll have you on anyway. Tom. Tom, what are we doing? What did you think of the game tonight? Um, I, I was on a commentary for Ocean FM with Mark Rossiter. Mm-hmm. And two legends. What on <laughs> um what we, we kind of came to the to the agreement after the first half is that Dundalk dominated the possession, but Sligo kind of dominated the tempo. And look, we saw it a lot whereby the ball ended up at the feet of Louis Annesley an awful lot and he he hadn't options. Sligo had pressed in a different way than, than Dundalk pressed hmm. and kind of reduced the options for Dundalk. I know you were talking earlier on about um, Ryan O'Kane and look, it, it was a frustrating evening for him, but I mean, it's important to also realise that Sligo changed their team to, to try and nullify his threat. Like, yep. playing right back tonight was... Frank Levac, who's an Estonian international, who's one of the fastest players in the league, who's also two-footed, 
And you know, he 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 has played unfortunately for Sligo due to injuries. And look, he mentioned the pitch. I'm not going to step into that debate. But due to injuries that the Sligo had on St Patrick's Day, Sligo Rovers played Derry City, and within the space of five minutes, they lost two right backs, Branafalk mm-hmm. and Carlo Sullivan came on. Sorry, Carlo Sullivan came on five minutes after Branafalk, and you know the, the last both them lead back was forced into that right back position. So while he is a right bringer by trade, he has played right back for them this season, and I thought he did very very well against. Okay, and you know, you saw that Dundalk then were looking for that diagonal ball to try and isolate Ryan O'Kane against, as with most defenders in the league, he's going to beat them for pace. He wasn't able to be mm-hmm. lead back for pace, so that then nullified a serious threat. Dundalk then had, you know, had that, you know, if we're going to call it a 4 2 3 1, you know, tactics, you know, call it whatever, but that, 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 that three of Horgan, Kelly, and Ryan O'Kane are very, as we see, very versatile. I mean, in Daryl Horgan Mark one when he landed at Oriel, he was a winger. Whereas he's played he played as a ten then on, on Sunday against um Shells. He drifted to the left wing, but that three are inter you know are interchangeable. You know, we saw where Dan Kelly came in off that right wing to score yeah. his header at the back post tonight. So I mean that's a massive threat. Um to, to you know that that's a massive threat that Dundalk, an extra threat that, that Dundalk have. So I mean Look, it, it was that changing from the from the usual, or that mm-hmm. you know that the Dan Kelly nominally a right winger there, but he came in off the wing. That was the difference between them. And I, I know, like I mean, I think you mentioned there, Andy, a few minutes. You know, there was a few minutes between their chance for Martello to go one 0 up, and then we. Yeah. That was it. That was that was yeah. the difference between the two sides, and that little bit of magic where Kelly came in, changed the diff, you know, changed where they had a game plan, like I said, to nullify the threat for. For uh, Brian O'Kane, Dan Kelly did things slightly different. Came in off his wing, knocked it in at the back post, and that was that knocked their plan out. And that was it. The rest of the time, I think Sligo played very, very well. And I mean, look, Kieran, you uh, you know when you spoke about it there, where Caelan Barlow literally last effort of the game could have drawn the game. That was all that was between the sides. Like mm-hmm. Tom, just I, the other. Obviously, the main talking point from from the Sligo lineup was, you know, <laughs> here's a young 18 year old going to get his chance, um, in his first start tonight, um, obviously things things moved on, and it, it's a thing where <laughs> Sligo always sell their keeper <laughs> halfway through the season. Anyway, that's that's what they seem to do. But did you feel though, like for for a young man starting for his first game tonight, we we never really troubled him bar to go. No. I think that was just such a such a missed opportunity tonight. I couldn't tell you if he was a good or a bad. Like I, positionally, he seemed a decent lad. Um, but I'm we disappointed in you, Chris. <laughs> I'm disappointed in you. Me and you have to stick up for the goalkeeping union here. Um, <laughs> I, I think he dominated this box. I think hmm. he made he, he made things look simple. Yeah, and for me, that's the sign of a good keeper. There was mm-hmm. a couple of instances. Um, myself and Rossi were doing um, commentary for Ocean FM a couple of weeks ago in Drogheda's two-all draw against Sligo. Mm-hmm. And look, Luke, Luke McNick is a fabulous keeper. You don't get to go over to Wrexham for whatever is it, a hundred grand or whatever it is, if you are of the same ability as myself. 
I'm not going to take you down with me, Chris, but <laughs> let, let, let's say I, uh, I was below that. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> let's say if, if I'm going to wreck him, it's on holidays. <laughs> but what I'm saying, like, like Luke McNichols is a very good keeper. He's an under-21 international. He is, he's tidy. Yet, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, there was a goal. Draw had scored the first goal that sparked their comeback. Chris, you were there with me, sure. You saw yeah. there was that miscommunication between Pinecker and McNicholas. Like, that was never going to happen tonight. Walsh came out and he dominated his box. A bit like you were saying earlier on about Brownlee. Like, Brownlee he barked, roared, shouted, got the message across that he was in charge of that box. And whatever was coming in, he didn't care. Man, ball, anything. He was going to head it. That was going out of there. And he was that... I know there's the debate and, you know, whatever on other podcasts and, you know, you start to talk about earlier on about uh, 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 an enforcer at six or whatever. And look, that, that, that's mm-hmm. Stephen O'Donnell's prerogative not to use it. That's fine. But having a, a, a dominant centre half, we, we spoke about it, I think, possibly, was it the Waterford FA Cup, FAI Cup defeat last season? We I might have been on, we were talking about it, possibly. But the, the, mm-hmm. the, the partnerships, the importance of having steel in a defensive partnership. Then you look mm. at the two Giants who had who Rovers had, Sliger Rovers had in defence. The two boys are clad. Like John Madden was over, like Nando Pinecker is a New Zealand international. Uh, he marked Erling Haaland out of it in, in the was the World Cup t- t- 2019, the under 20s World Cup 2019. He, he, right, he, yeah. play, he marked and Norway won 2-0. Oh, sorry, not Norway 1-2-0. New Zealand won 2-0. New Zealand. Um, you know, you look at John Mahan, John Mahan went over Scotland, didn't work out for me, came back. The two boys are absolute class acts. Yeah. You look at Brownlee tonight, that's what you want. Sorry, and I'm drifting away from, from Walsh. I do think Walsh, I mean, look, he was at Everton last season. Um, and like you say, Sligo have this, I don't know, trick or whatever. Their goalkeeper yeah. coach must be incredible. And and I, I do think I'm saying to Rossi, I, I would have no fear. Look, Richard Brush is, is a is a really good keeper. He has proved himself at the league. You know, it was this time twelve years ago he was playing for Shamrock Rovers in the very first Europa League group stages for League of Ireland. Like he's a good keeper. Would I be rushing to bring him back on the on the basis of what I saw from Connor Walsh tonight? Absolutely not. And I think that's mm-hmm. the sign of a good keeper. There was no panic, there was no nothing. There was one shot to his right hand side. Where he did drop it, but he got his body behind it. There was no panic. There was no fuss. So I, I, I like to contrast the two. There was another when we played Bowes last year towards the end of the league. Do you remember Reese Bourne made his debut oh, yeah. for them? Right. And Reese Bourne to Newcastle. That was the last game he kicked. That was the last ball he kicked in League of Ireland senior, and he played. He, he signed in for Newcastle this summer. For mm. me. Again, look, I mean, again, the chap obviously has potential. You don't get to go over to Newcastle with no potential. He's a big lad. He's a serious... The ball at his feet, and we, we saw Connor Walsh today ping the pass over to the left-hand side to Hutchison. They took, um, think, I can't remember who it was. Was it Hoban or Kelly or somebody? He took it out of him. It was a serious, you know, confidence to be able to do that. I know Reese Bourne had the same, you know, has the same ability. He probably didn't show it on the night. On that night, I, I don't think it's fair to say to an 18-year-old that he was nervous, but the same composure... That Walsh had tonight, I don't think Reesborn had maybe showed the same composure. So I mean, if Reesborn got a you know got a got a, a a transfer to Newcastle and was at that level, and we saw somebody even more composed tonight, I don't think, unfortunately for Sligo, I, I'm not sure if they'll be able to keep him for too long. But look, that's that's what they do. It's like they, they breed good keepers. 
yeah, I just thought it was interesting just in their in their warm up. There was like three young keepers warming up each other. I was kind of like, this is such a bizarre situation where yeah. like, there didn't seem to be anyone senior around them yet. Just that that probably helped the situation because it was more, probably a more calming influence. The lads obviously had played underage football in in the Sligo setup and and probably under 19s or whatever. And and I think that just probably helped the whole scenario. It was probably a really good move by John Russell bringing all three of the keepers there or work by you. I know is, is Richard Rush still suspended. He got a six match suspension. That yeah, time it was his last game. Uh, was, he got three. Lafferty. Lafferty That's got right. six, reduced to four, and Brush then got three. Yeah. And I think tonight was the last one. Mm. I'm open to correction. Okay. I think it was the last one. Yeah. I just I just thought like it was, the only thing I would say about watching once or twice, I just don't think his kicking was perfect. But I I'd love to say that, you know, he's a real quality talented keeper but I just I didn't get to see enough tonight you know and, and from a Dunlop perspective Tom that's all I meant was kind of like just I'd love to just test him because there, there's going to be um, match situations that within the senior football setup and going against someone like Pat Hoover at set pieces they'd like to think that we would have an upper hand on, and we should have been wiser but I just I just don't think we over we overly worked them and that way and like I said that also goes down to how well they were marshaled in defence too and um, for, for the reasons you just kind of outlined as well. But even, but even you go back, talking about overworking the keeper, like that KA keeper, we could see that there were, <laughs> again, I'm not yeah. going to say deficiencies, but there were areas where he may not be have been overly strong. But it took mm-hmm. till the final. Like I, I, I have my match report nearly written. Yeah. And it said, listen, they've barely, he's barely touched the ball. And then the last five minutes, there was this foray of crosses in where he was punching and he was clattering and he was lying on the ground and he was, he was doing whatever. Um, yeah. But, but again, you know, we only tested him for the last five, 10 minutes. We don't know how good our body was. And look, look, it's like no. you say, was it that the defense kept them so tight? Or I, I don't know, but again, the KA keeper, I don't like to go back to it. Like, but he's somebody I'd like to see maybe a few more shots got at was a, uh, was it Mali had the long ranger at the end of the first half that it swerved? Yeah. yeah. Gally, Gally's got fed up talking. talking yeah, he doesn't. Tom, just uh, the other question, just uh, this last one, and then we'll, we'll open it back to the forum on the, um, for everyone. Just did you feel that we just struggled to get into gear tonight? It just didn't kick off. The, you know, once or twice, I think. The best move we probably had at the match was probably the goal. Uh, it was the most fluid we've probably seen us play, but the rest was just a bit stop-start or just nobody wanted to grasp the match tonight. How did you feel it? Yeah, but again, I, I would give Sligo credit there. I mean, they're, mm. in, they're, they're in a run. I mean, a lot of the season, they have found it hard to get consistency. They'll play really well one game. Then the next game, they'll find it tricky then they'll go back and you know they, they, they are they aren't they have some fantastic individuals like Fabrice Hartman is top class Frank Levac yeah. top class your man Pedro Martello he's he's starting to find this groove I think you know if, if they can keep him for another season I think maybe March or April next season I think nine games probably that we won't see the best of him but come mm. the middle of next season he could be class like yeah. they have a great Again, much much like their goalkeeping tradition, they they, they have an ability to unearth number nines as well. Yeah. So I would I would place an awful lot of I would place a lot of credit on you know on John Russell and Sligo. Like they they played David Colley 
hadn't even gotten off the bench for the first maybe half, and I'm open to correct, maybe eight to ten games for Sligo, we hadn't played a minute. And now yeah. you saw how important a part he plays in that pressing tonight. Like he was playing, you know, he nominally that ten role, but I mean, like when we think about a ten role, we think of a supporting, you know, somebody supporting the striker. He wasn't. He was leading the press or leading the, as as Mark Rossi was saying, you know, he was setting the traps. He was cute mm-hmm. enough to be able to press the Dundalk back line and, and, and force them into playing balls where they didn't have to. He was, you know, again, look, that's why Louis honestly had so much time in the ball because they were happy to let him have the time in the ball because they know he's not going to play a probing pass anymore. Yeah. If he has the ball in his feet, anyway, he has plenty of strength, but maybe picking that, you know, threading the ball through the eye of the needle, he's not going to do that. So they were happy to do that. So, and, and then the rest of the Sligo team picked up who had to be picked up, like I mentioned earlier on, about how they turned Levac. Um, I think Mahan and Pinek are, are physically able for Patoven. I don't think there's yeah. many central defenders in the league who are able for a physical battle. You know, sometimes they might have to be cleverer than and outsmart and whatever. I think, like, I mean, I'm 6'4", and I wouldn't fancy running into Pinek or John Mahan at half tilt, let alone full tilt. Like, our, mm-hmm. and, Pat Hoven for that matter either. Like, but so I, I think a lot of credit has to go to 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 go to Sligo with this setup with a game plan. And literally, like you said, it was just that moment of magic, that move that worked where Kelly came in off the wing. That that was the difference between them. Yeah. Yeah. Kieran, like yeah. at some stage we're gonna to have to stop, you know, saying how great Archie Davis is, but it won't be tonight. That's for certain. <laughs> like, just we Myself and Gally had a conversation right after the Shells match, and um, the, the one that was broadcast on TV. And we just said, "God, our crossing is horrendous. Everything has just been overhit. It's you know we're not we're not beating the first man. We're way overhit. Once we're straight out of the play. But Archie Davis of it is just consistently hitting the target with his mm. crosses, bang onto the man every single time of late, isn't he?" But the one thing that I have noticed about some of the crossing ability of some of our players, and I'm not going to point out individuals because I obviously mm-hmm. I don't want you know I don't want to be you know given out to you know about it. But there has been a couple of occasions, and I saw particularly in the European games, we weren't crossing with a little bit of width, with a little bit of pace and intent. If that makes sense, there wasn't enough mm-hmm. strength behind the crosses. There was a lot of times where crosses were kind of being floated in with the with the kind of intention of them either being flicked on or whatever. Gotcha. The one time that we that we sent in a cross with intent, with pace, with power, we got a goal out of it against K when John Martin mm-hmm. scored the header. Archie Davies has been doing that on a consistent basis during the course of the year. It's not once again, it's it's a frustrating aspect of of our play that sometimes when we're delivering balls into the air, it's this kind of nice floaty ball that's been sent in. There needs to be a little bit of more intent in the attack. And that's something that needs to be kind of drilled into these players that if they are going to cross the ball in, they're not looking for the the float kind of soft ball. They're looking for like Pat Hoven, John Martin, D- Daniel Kelly. They're all looking for something that they can really kind of at- approach and attack with intent because it carries the momentum with it. And Archie has been delivering that, that kind of set piece and that kind of ball on a consistent basis for the past number of weeks. And then he must have been listening to you, Gally, or uh, Chris. It must have, <laughs> that must have been the case. But that's, that's where we are. And that needs to come from more across the, across the pitch. I think Ryan O'Kane does try it on occasions. And there was a couple of times where he tried to, as 
Tom alluded to tonight, he was just essentially marked out of it because anytime he tried to cut in, there was another player kind of nicking the ball off him. And mm-hmm. it, he got very, very frustrated at times. And there was a bit of physicality to that game this evening as well, which was kind of the referee let a couple of things go that another referee would have blown up and then he was blowing other things up. It was kind yeah. of... Like, it was a frustrating match in that kind of regard that the referee was quite, uh, how would you say, panicky at times, and then other times he let stuff go, and it was it would it could have been, uh, it could have been seen differently on a, with another referee. But just going back to your original point, Archie has been very very good this season. He's been one of the players of the season, and th- there's no two ways about it. He's he's been a real find. Yeah, well, I didn't want to come to you with the ref question tonight, but you've, you've done that yourself there, <laughs> yeah. so I don't feel so bad. Yeah. No. Um, Tom, just we, we'll cover one more aspect just of the Dundalk perspective first, and then I'm going on to a, probably the next big talking point of the match, which was the, their penalty appeal. Um, it was divided opinion on the gantry, but we'll come to that in a second. One, Daryl Horgan... Um, his impact on the game tonight, Tom, and as a signing coming back to the club as well. But two, the new, obviously the new Pat Hoobin on the pitch at the moment. Since that goal scoring record, we've seen him just it's a slightly deeper role. He's more creative in in um, getting moves started. And like tonight, he 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 got down and dirty tonight with a couple of tackles and let the ref know when he when he you know he wasn't getting the better of him. Like, are we seeing just a, an adaption of, of Pat Hoobin as a player? And how do you think that Dundalk gets Daryl Horgan more into this team? That's an interesting one because, like I've mentioned a couple of times before, Pat Hoobin started his career as a goal-scoring midfielder mm-hmm. and then moved up the field. So I hope it's not a winding down of his career that we see him starting to drift back. But... um. I, I look I, when you have the when you've pace and on the wings with you know like we mentioned earlier on with the, with the three lads, you have options then where he can come short, give a ball you know for tackling us big round the corner, release them mm-hmm. and then head in. So he can be part of the play instead of I won't say penalty hang or penalty box hanging or snibbing or no. whatever people want to say. You know, it's, instead of doing that, he can be part of the play, give that ball run. He's very, very good at that. The problem there is that, I won't say problem, sorry, but but but, but if Darren Horgan plays as a 10, he's dropping into that space. Darren Horgan today spent, from my watching, he spent nearly the free roll, he spent a nice wee bit of time on the left yeah. wing, nearly sitting behind Ryan O'Kane as a, I don't know what it was a second winger or, you know, maybe picking the ball up as a free roll. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where his role was there. He is an out-and-out winger. He's only back at the squad. Like, I mean, that's a new... Like, he kicked his last ball in the last game of the Europa League 2016 group stages. Like, that's yeah. coming up on seven years ago for the Dock. That's a whole new team. I mean, unders and a whole new manager. And, like, Football has evolved since he played, but I mean to get too deep with it or yeah, whatever. Cool. So, I mean, and he'd know, like, he didn't play with Pat Hoban that season. That was Dave McMillan. Yeah. And McMillan was running the channels. McMillan, McMillan was a great player to run the channels, to make that. Like, McMillan mm-hmm. didn't have the physicality that Pat Hoban did. So, Pat Hoban can come back. He can take a centre half out with him, hold him off, feel him off, play the ball around the corner, 
and then burst past the centre half into that into the penalty area. Dave McMillan didn't have that. So when Daryl Horgan was at his best, so to speak, he wasn't playing with a centre forward like that. I know that sounds no, very, you know, no, it's a strange one. No, no, we can't. So, I, so I, I don't honestly know how the two of them will end up playing together. They're two immensely talented players. And, you know, it's exciting to see that I think it's two and a half years left on, not, not left, the man's only in the building, but two and a half years of a contract for Bernard Morgan. So I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sure over the course of two and a half years, he get to unlock. You know what? What he had there, like I mean, he he, he was a fabulous player at Dundalk seven years ago. Can we see a newly invigorating Daryl Horgan? A newly a reinvent, like you're saying about Pat Hoban reinventing himself. Can Daryl Horgan is he reinvent himself as a ten? Well, he played there against Shells for ninety minutes, but I mean, like look, we're, we're, we don't know where he's going to end up playing. The potential is there for them. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm excited to see how it's going to work because, I mean, Dundalk record, we'll be talking about Pat Hoban for the next 50, 60 years. Yeah. Like, there's people, we'll be telling grandchildren and great-grandchildren about how we watch Pat Hoban play, how he was, in the same way as, look, I have come on the town here and I'm, I fondly read back over bits and pieces. I mean, learning about history from players from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and you're looking back through their goal-scoring records and Players you've never heard of before because you know they, they've there's no obviously no social media, no nothing, and it's their histories enshrined in the books. But we'll be able to pass on them how mm-hmm. incredible Pat Hoban was. I mean, it was only seven years ago, but you know the Europa League stages are enshrined in folklore already for Dundalk players. So, I mean, these guys have the opportunity to reinvent themselves, have the opportunity to make new memories for a new generation and without calling ourselves old, like we were all there at the Europa League group stages, but. I mean, yeah. self and yourself, kid, uh, Chris, we have, you know, our, our kids were too kid, young to no, be no, there. Kid, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, our, our kids were too young to be at those games. Yeah. So it was now, when they're coming to Dundalk games, the teams that they're seeing, the 2016 teams are historic to them. So it's a great mm-hmm. opportunity for them to see that we get excited about Darrell Horgan, but let's Darrell Horgan, let's, let, 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 Daryl Horgan create new memories for them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but so yeah. but also five minutes later, in a nutshell, I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> but we also have to remember <laughs> we also have to remember we're not signing a player that's at 35, 36, 37 years of age that's come mm-hmm. to the complete end. Like he turned 31 yeah. this week. He's mm-hmm. not he's when you talk about the bell curve of of a player's kind of peak. He's just over the kind of the, the, the top of the bell curve. So like there's still hmm. plenty of football to be played. And and the thing about also about him is that like he went to England relatively unscathed. Like he hasn't come back after being laid off with any kind of serious injuries right. that we know about. Like he has been very consistent in his performances and in his levels since he left us, whether it was with Preston, Hibernian, Wickham. Wherever he's gone, the the indications have been that he's been a very popular player. He's been uh, played at a very high level and he's been extremely consistent. And maybe that's something that Dundalk have been lacking is that that one, like I'm not saying that Pat Hoban or anybody has been, you know, completely over the, over the top inconsistent this year, but something to gel the inconsistencies together. 
you know, because some players mm-hmm. have been good and some players have been a little bit off the boil and some players have been kind of, you just, just kind of drifting in and out of games. Daryl could be the kind of player that brings that all together. That could see that we just get some consistent, like one of the things that I noticed on Sunday in particular was that there was at one stage where uh, the ball went out just in front of me in the, in, in the press box. I'm not sure if Tom was there, but like Daryl went over to Yanis Coco and like, slapped him across the arm and was like, will you come on? Like, you know, there, there, yeah. there's, there's a, a, an expectancy of certain standards and he will bring that. And that, that I think will, will only benefit the team going forward. And like you said, Tom, like he's going to come back as a new player, but also probably as a, in a new role. And if that mm-hmm. is the case, then we're going to see, what Daryl Horgan 2.0 is going to be all about, and I'm all for it. And I think you made a really good point there, Kieran. In terms of consistency, Stephen O'Donnell said at the start of the year about bringing in a lot of players who hadn't played before. Hmm. And, I, you know, every player who's finding their way or finding their feet, they're going to make mistakes. There is going to be that lack hmm. of consistency. And look, you see it it's like You see it it's Ligo. I mean, they have, yeah. they have a lot of young players. Now, tonight... Obviously, the you know with, with with the likes of David Cawley and and Greg Bulger, um, uh, John Mahan, you have Niall Morhan there. Even though he's not old, he's a lot of games behind him. You know, you have a sense of of experience there. But I mean, at Dundalk, the likes of Darren Brown, like I mentioned before, his experience is twenty nine years of age. He's a I'm not going to call him a veteran because then what that what does that make us? <laughs> but he's 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 experienced, Geriatric. he's mature. <laughs> he's, he's well, <laughs> we should be long retired. But you know he's he's you know he he brings a wealth of games and a wealth of experience to that backline. That even is like I mentioned earlier on his communication. If you're playing so many games, you can read these things happening. You can say, listen. I this covered, you covered that. And again, look at like you said there about um Darren Horgan speaking to Lee Coco. Again, case of the expectation. And so so now you have in in defense, you have Darren Brownlee alongside possibly Andy Boyle. You know, that's a wealth of experience there. You move forward then, Greg Sloggett has racked up with a couple of hundred games if you include everything in League of Ireland. You then you've Darren Horgan in midfield alongside him or whatever. You know, in the in the attacking midfield area, you play. You have another couple of hundred um, appearances there. Then you move forward, Pat Oban. So you have experience the whole way throughout. Whereas when you take them away, like Hayden Muller, Archie Davies, they've barely played in their career. And I know Steve O'Donnell yeah. alluded to that, and that's you know that that that's fine. That's where we're at as a club. That's grand. But I think the 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 experience of Horgan, the and and the know-how and like I said the same we saw Brownlee very you know very evidently today that that you, you can't put a price on that and and that for me when we've nine games left I mean it, that experience is what's going to shine through and these players the likes of Archie Davis no one raving about Archie Davis really Archie Davis has got better game by game by game yeah, and whenever like, we haven't had like Lewis McCary again super player last season but he was flitting between centre-half and right-back. So did we ever see the best of him as a right-back? I don't know. Maybe we did. And he was a great player. Would I love to see him? Would I have loved to see him stay? Absolutely. But we didn't. So hopefully we get to see Archie Davis stay. Look, the best right-back 
in recent history with Sean Gannon, but Sean Gannon came to us on the back of having won league titles as part of the squad at Rovers and at Pats. He was part of a winning squad, a league title winning squad. And and he came to us, yes, he was probably, he was quite young, but he still had won two titles. I know he doesn't count the one, but he was still part of a league winning squad. He had two, he had two league titles behind him before he came here. Actually, Davis yeah. hasn't had 20 games or whatever he had. You know, like, we've taken him, he was at Brighton yeah. Academy and then... He was, I think we took him from Aldershot in the middle of the league. So, yeah. you know, in a year or two, I mean, if he's this good now, how good is he going to be in a couple of years if we can keep him like? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Kieran, you know, like, Tom talks about that sliding moment at the start of the match where they, they missed the header and then Dickie goes down and does score his. I felt there was another one of them in the second half just on that penalty appeal. Yeah. Uh, Levac goes down, uh, Johannes Yuliko goes to the wrong side of him, there's a clash of legs. How did you see it? I initially thought that it was just a coming together, but it was a kind of not necessarily an accidental, but I didn't think there was much to it, if that makes sense. But then I'm shown yeah. a, a video of it later on. I, I saw it on the way home this evening. Talk it's about the the cameraman did well there. Um, <laughs> but but in saying that, like you know, we wrote our luck a little bit. And look, if it was down the other end, you'd be baying for it, you'd be screaming yeah. your head off for it. But there was no kind of real appeal from um, that's the bit that struck me from, as well. from the Sligo players, and there was no mm. kind of real kind of like that's that's something that. You know, you see with Drahada, you see with Shamrock Rovers, you see with other with other clubs, is that if there's any kind of 50-50 contested ball and, you know, a player goes down, they're almost on the pitch, you know, egging the referee on. Like, and that's something that maybe Sligo, like, you allude to it a little bit, like, it was a penalty, but they didn't protest it. Mm-hmm. And and that was, that was kind of a big thing. Like, you have to kind of, even if, it was a case that it was just an accident. You, you call it. You never know. You have to run your luck. But Dundalk got the luck in this one because, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it was a penalty, and um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be able. I, I won't have to tweet tomorrow saying paying an attraction. But like no. it, it, it was, a, it was, it was a penalty in my book, and we we got away with it. But like in one once a year, you get away with those kind of things, and uh, it the result comes our way. And look at. I'm going to say this now. I'm all for it. All good. <laughs> Tom, how did you see the penalty appeal? I think, look, in, in those situations, whenever a tackle like that goes in, you literally hoping you're, you know, you, you kind of jump and then you go, he's going to blow this. And when he doesn't and there's no appeal, yeah. you're kind of like, know. all right, maybe I overreacted here because, yeah. Because I, I I thought maybe I saw something there that wasn't there, mm. but no, I didn't. In, in real time, though, like, there was a few to say I'm not going to criticize the referee. Mm. In real time, I didn't see anything wrong with it, Tom. I just thought the two players came together. One went down. On we go. It's only on the replay on the tighter camera when I look back. I went, oh, did you barge into the back of him there? Mm. <laughs> and and my fear was, and it's it's it well, just to go back to Kieran's point earlier on. In a night where we saw a lot of inconsistencies from the referee, we see, we seen him, you know, halt play at times, which didn't help to the flow of the match night. And then we seen there was a, in particular, I think it was in the um, in the second half of the game where he, he he let the advantage go when Sligo were on the attack, and it was a really good refereeing decision 
um, by him because they still had the ball. They were still going at it. It was like 3v3 at the time. But I think we ended up, you know, squeezing it out um, for a throw-in for them. But I, with that inconsistency, my fear tonight, Tom, was that you were going to make, you give that referee a decision to make. And that's never, you know, never the right tactic to go in here with yeah. Ireland referees. The, the only argument there on that, like you say, look, he did let it go on and that's fine, but he didn't come back and Burke Mali. And if he had a Burke Mali, mm. Mali had only been booked a few minutes before. That was the 87th yeah. minute. That was five yeah. minutes of injury time. That's eight minutes to Docker playing with 10 men. And again, it was Mark Rossiter made that point beside me. Yeah. Like that, that he had, he should be booking Mali. And, you know, eight minutes with 10 men, does it make a difference? I don't know. Maybe Dundalk then just shut up shop and play on. Didn't like Dundalk beat Rovers with 10 men, so yeah. why not beat another that's Rovers true. with 10 men? I don't know. But but that that that's just... And it, look, it, it, it's just an observation that was brought to my attention. Hmm. Yeah, Tom, look, I know you're uh, tight on time. We'd be jumping on there. Just before you go, though, we'll grab uh, your Man of the Match nomination off you, if that's all right. Uh, am I allowed to go out loud or, I, or do I, will I put this in the, the backroom chat or will I go loud? Oh, go loud. Go loud, yeah. yeah oh, go, go loud. Uh, I think Darren Brownlee. Brownlee for me. Okay, very good. Yeah, they, yeah. it's one of them nights where we, we actually just, it's kind of across the, <laughs> um, across the spectrum. Everyone's given everybody a mention here. It's between Kelly, Brownlee, Archie, yeah, once you're an E in your name, it's something it seems to be. And <laughs> um, Tom, go on. I, we won't hold you up any longer. We say jump it on. As our the fact that we don't even have to do a shout out for one of your kids' birthdays tonight, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, listen, mind yourselves. Take care. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Tom. Talk soon. Slant. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Um, look, Kieran, I think the, the yeah. other big moment um, that, that you just mentioned there, um, of course, was, was that big chance at the end. It's at my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, was like, he, I, think, he, I think the entire Oriel Park <laughs> had, their, had, their, had their rosary beads out, blessing themselves, everything that, that you know, um, it, it, on another night that would have sailed into the top corner. He he mm-hmm. almost struck it too well. If it kind of had taken any kind of deflection or any kind of, you know, mishit, it could have caused Nathan an awful lot of problems. But once again, like, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about a goalkeeper that isn't tied down in a contract for next year. Like, it's, it's absolutely um, scary at this stage that, mm-hmm. well, look at, Hold on a second. We might be in a situation where you know we could get a we could get a tweet during the week saying that he signed a new contract. So I'm not going to be overly I'm not going to be overly critical of things. But you know he he's pulled off a couple of great saves this evening that has resulted in like particularly there was a, a free kick that was taken. Now whether it was by accident or not, it it went to the near post and he was able to scramble it behind for a corner. Like his awareness mm. and his positional sense for that was absolutely excellent. So. Um, but yeah, as you said, like that opportunity just at the end. Now, my dad was sitting behind me and he actually pointed the watch to me and he said to me, I was five minutes and 38 seconds, you know, and you're kind of <laughs> going, you know, you know, if that had gone in, you would have been like, oh, for God's sakes. But yeah, that, that would have been typical it, of the Dunlop story. It would have been typical of the of the entire league season. But um, 
look, he, he, took, he took a while. Nathan Shepard saved it. Another night, this could have been 3-0 to Dundalk. It could have been 3-all. It could have been 5-3. It, could, it was just one of those mm-hmm. nights where a little bit of magic from, from Dickie Kelly saw, saw us being the deal breaker. It's, but it's, as I said at the begin at the top of the show, look, it, it's either going to live long in the memory or very, very short in the memory. And I think it's going to be the latter because it's three points and it's a clean sheet and that's all that matters. But um, John Murphy joked with me saying that he, he, he wasn't sure how I was writing a match report afterwards because there wasn't much to write about. Like, but no. it was, it was one of those games, but you know, you have them in a league season and you have them during Absolutely, the course yeah. of, of, of the year. So, um, you can focus on all the negatives. You can focus on, you know, the the uh, a lot of things we 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 consistently can be rehashing them. But mm-hmm. I think after Europe, when you think about all during the previous years when we played in Europe, we've had some dismal performances after European games. Yeah, we haven't lost during this European run. Um, between the Brunos Magpies game, we bet Shamrock Rovers in the cup. We drew against Shelburne after what was a very frustrating and bruising encounter on the Thursday night against KA. And we're, we're now coming into 10 games to go and we're after getting a win. Like four points during the European run, would you would have snapped the hand off you at this stage. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, I think we can only be positive going in because there's just glimpses. And I'm just, I, I said this to Gary at the beginning of the show, Daryl Horgan's introduction has kind of egged other players on. I think we're start we're going to see an evolution of this side, and it will it will trump into next year if they if the recruitment is right. But at this moment in time, I think it has given everybody a big lift, and hopefully, going into the last ten games, there can be that little bit of inspiration, and we we keep in touch with the top four. Um, I'm not too sure if I saw did Shamrock Rovers drop points again tonight. They, they drew one all. Yeah, like, we're the only team that went. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there you go. This is the this is the whole thing about this season. It's been crazy. Like, yeah. you know, you just it's just the way it is. And uh, hopefully, we can just keep ourselves going. And you have to look at it. Um, I looked at Derry City's performance yesterday. I have a funny feeling they're going to get through to the next round, and then you don't know yeah, what's going to yeah. happen. And I hope they do. And yeah. then they're 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 against it. They've got a pretty much a free hit to get into the group stages. That could become a distraction to them. That yeah. could lead to a fixture congestion, which can only benefit us, you know. So, 100%. you know, all all round, you know, we're going into a yeah. very, a very exciting period for the club. And then we've got a cup run, which seems to be opening itself up as well, because you've got teams that are being drawn against each other, yeah. which is which is knocking out the big. Yeah, you're going to lose Pats or Derry in the next round. You're going to lose Pats or Derry. It could be a situation that Derry could be focusing on Europe. They could get themselves knocked out of the cup. It could be Pats. It's just just the way things are. It's it's actually shaping up quite nicely. If if you if you strip away all that, look, we we could go over all the inconsistencies and the faults and the fallacies that are going on at the moment. If we just focus on what's happening on the football pitch at the moment, the stars are kind of aligning in a certain way that if we keep positive, it, it could it could end up to be a very yeah. good end of the tail end of the season. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll have a quick chat about just that run-in and the situation we find ourselves in in the league um, table as it is before we went to these last nine in 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 a second here. Quick chat then, just a bit of housekeeping. We might as well get this man in a magic competition off. Your your nomination for time? Uh, Mr. Brianley. Right. 
Yep. It's funny, just, just when someone, you know, um, to comment in just before that, you know, it, it's the new Mark Conley. It's there, there's there's a lot you could say. I, 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 said, I actually I actually said something different. I was um, I said I was like, there's Brian Gartland 2.0. Like, it, it, yeah. you know, you're just talking that big towering presence that you just need in the back four and he's going to he's going to set a standard there now you've got Dara Horgan's mm-hmm. going to stand a standard in midfield and then Pat Holben up front speaks for itself you're, you're just looking for that consistency the whole way through that kind of that, that kind of skewer the whole way along and look at it could, it could work out really well yeah yeah look, I, this is the thing I think if you look if you look at the the signings that Stephen's brought in right now you know, if you're looking at the experience of Brownie, the experience of Horgan, like you can clearly see what he's done here. Mm-hmm. He's he's gone early in the season and got a lot of inexperienced, young, hungry players. Now he's looking for the experienced players on the tail end to, to cope with this running, who who know about you know down and dirty and just getting results. And and I think you know uh, definitely Brownie is 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 in the, in that ilk, like you said, of a of a Gartland, of a Conley. You know that that sort of a player who who doesn't mind a bit of rough and tumble, but they no. will be here on the pitch. That's <laughs> that's the fair look. Look, it, it looks like it, it's will be brownie then for a man of match. And for myself, I was probably a bit more for his first half performance. It was definitely Dick Kelly. Yeah, overall performance for me was actually Archie Davis. I thought just another yeah. solid performance from himself again. And you know, just he, he gave us that threat. He was always wanting to go forward, but his positioning in particular. Um, is getting better and better, um, and I just think that's just something from. Well, look, we'll we'll we'll, we'll go with our learning. We we'll go with the comment that's right there um, on the screen that we still have there. So congratulations. I have no idea what way we're going to pronounce this, um, so I just get it, get in contact with us here. And, yeah, please do. Um, we'll, we we'll, don't we'll want, to, we don't want to insult, we don't want to insult anybody down the road. <laughs> no, definitely no. not. Um, so look, there's a, a free Tony's Pizzeria 15 inch pizza for you there. On behalf of the town in so just get in contact with us we give and um, Vinny and the lads your name there and thanks so much as well for everyone for for entering Kieran mm-hmm. Gally put up a post and um, before the match tonight and just said you know this is it this is the, the mini league starts now we started it with a win not the best yeah. performance but a win is a win in a night when I just said when nobody else has picked up the three points and, and you know Stephen said it in his post match it, it's important that when everyone else does drop one, did you get those two points advantage yeah. um, going in here? It finds us, we're now level with Derry. They have two games in hand, mind you, when um, obviously we'll be played on um, Sunday um, against Rahada in, up in the Brandywell due to their European commitments during the week. Mm-hmm. But I, I, for me, this will really open up when we get to, you know, probably the, the last few rounds of, of matches, five games to go kind of situation. For me now, the next four games is just stay on the coattails of everyone. Yeah, You just got to stay in this mix. We're all going to have to play each other again. It's important not to lose ground. The performances for me probably don't matter as much. The result is, is, is of utmost importance right now. Because if we had uh, dropped points tonight, because I felt we dropped points previously against shells where we could have got ourselves up here a little bit quicker yeah. and in the mix here and put a little gap back down the shell but we didn't do that they're kind of there now with us but we've just got a little stretch tonight and that those little wins are key aren't they especially in 
listen, I, the one thing that the mantra that has been of Dundalk over the past number of years is just just focus on the next game, focus on the next game, focus on the next game. And I think that that's exactly what Dundalk need to do. The, 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 if we start focusing on, well, if Derry do this or Bowes do this or whatever, you know, it, it, it becomes an unwarranted mm-hmm. distraction. You, what I think the message needs to be to the, the, the Dundalk players need to just have the mantra that we're just focusing on ourselves and we're just focusing on our next match. Their next match is against Bray Wanderers in the Cup, which is a potential to be um, a, a, a good performance. They could, you know, mm-hmm. a tune-up game, get 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 a couple of goals underneath the belt, and get a good performance in, and uh, players get a little bit of confidence up. Or it could be one of those real tough battles that we've had in Bray during the course of yeah. uh, of the years, and you know, you could grind out the result and and get through to the next round. But that's purely what their focus is at the moment. The table will take care of itself. Um, other teams, I know we were, were very kind of interested in, in the combinations, the permutations and everything. But I think Dundalk at this moment in time, we just need to focus on ourselves, on our own performances and just get through the next nine games and whatever games in the cup. And let's see where it takes us. You know, we could be in a situation come season's end where we could be sitting in third position or we could be sitting just outside in fourth and, and looking for a favour out of a cup final. Yeah. It's 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 all in our hands at the moment. And yeah. um, look, I'm the first to, to give out about things and I'm the first to be critical of, of, of aspects of what's happening at Oriel Park and Dundalk and things like that. But I think at this moment in time, we kind of really need to realize that we've got an unbelievable opportunity here as a club mm-hmm. and as a, and as, a, and as a, um, as a team and as a club. And I think, the supporters now just need to rally around this side, get behind them 110%. And let's see where it takes us. It could lead yeah. us down an absolutely glorious path, or we could be crying into our pints come November. It doesn't matter either way, but that's the no. joys of football. But what has been presented in front of us because of the way the league has gone, we've got a very, very good, um, we've got a very good opportunity. And it just goes to show you that how you know, inconsistent like the, the league has been that no one really has put a kind of a glove on Shamrock Rovers, yet they haven't been brilliant. Yep. Yet, you know, they're still, you know, like they haven't been, you know, they haven't wowed anybody this year. I suppose you, and, you could say if Derry win their two games in hand, they would be only two points behind Shamrock Rovers. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it would be, it would certainly make things very, very interesting, mm. but uh, I think, but it also would be good for us. So look, we'll just, we'll see how it goes, but I think our focus should just be on the cup game next week. Take care of that, get through to the next round and hopefully uh, a trip to Kerry in the next round or something like that. We'll all go on, yeah, we'll, go, nice. we'll, we'll all go on a flight down to Tralee. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's interesting. Um, Bray drew three all tonight. And um, after losing after losing their previous game at Longford, four uh, two, so it's you know seven goals conceded in two games, and um, going into that cup match, so that's something to be looking at. They're obviously mm-hmm. you know coughing up opportunities, and you would say something really. Well, I suppose it, it was an entertaining game last time we we met yeah. in Ian Ryan's <laughs> and squad in Wexford, so oh. we shouldn't be surprised. And um, oh, but, that but, but that was that was the that was one of those games where I actually like was filled with dread 
during yeah. the, you know you were just filled with dread but that but he uh, assembled a squad that was extremely dynamic and very good and um mm. he's gone I think that's to, the, they are dynamic but they're very open is, is, yeah. is what I'm reading and I think I think Bray are a reflection of that as well they're dynamic but mm. they're open and that's the way he plays yeah. you know that's the way he plays his football but I think the difference between uh, say this year and last, you know, the Wexford side and the Bray side is that there's still kind of that little bit of a hangover of, the, of, of all the stuff that went on the background in Bray and it's mm-hmm. been very kind of inconsistent. Whereas when he was at Wexford, there was quite a lot of stability and then it was overtaken by a new owner. Obviously, there was a difference in opinion. That's why he went to Bray. Um, but but in this, in relation to this, I think, look, he's a former player. He'll want to get one over his, his, his former club and one thing or another. But I think in terms of quality and in terms of uh, now we say that we have experience, I think that we, we, we should be able to uh, safe passage through to the next round. But uh, you never know what it is, the cup after all. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, just as I say, a matter of, of housekeeping, just mm-hmm. in Shamrock Rovers, they top of the league on 51 points, Hats second on 47, uh, then Bowes behind that in third after their draw as well tonight, 46 points. Derry fourth on 43, level with ourselves in fifth, and then three-point gap back to Shelburne. And then you're talking a 10-point gap back to Sligo after that. So it's, you know, I'd say Shelburne probably have a game or two left in them to hold and try Mm. to stay in this mix or or they're going to get caught adrift. And you're probably looking like, look, whether it's three or four positions in the league, we're talking five, six teams. <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not going to work for everybody. Someone's no. going to be heartbroken at the end of the season, and you just, you just think you just got to hang in there. You just got to get as much. You hope this dairy run, like I say, in European adventure continues on because let's say they do beat Pats in the next round, then they're going to have the conundrum of how do you take on? And you know, we found it hard. We lost cup finals based yeah. on trying to balance Europe and. Um, an FAI Cup run at the same time so it's not easy it's no, not easy it at all no. and the fact that they're in the mix for the league makes it even harder for you know it, it, don't get me wrong it's a great headache to have <laughs> to be in too many competitions um, but it's it, it makes a very interesting run and I'd be interested to think what Rory Higgins and, uh, and Derry City would prioritise in that run and you would say it's probably a European run and a league chance the FAI Cup, you know, they, something has to give. That would be the one it would give, you would think. Like, I mean, they got the they, they got the FAI Cup last year. That was kind of something that they needed to get mm. out of their system. I think I think getting a trophy um, was something that Derry, I think, for the investment and for the progression that they've made, that that was something that they needed to do. Um, they got that, and obviously the league ch- the league push would be the natural progression. You saw with Cork, they won the cup in 2016, ended up winning the league the following year. It's just kind of one of those things. Like you're looking at a titanic battle for whether or not the Chamber Grovers are going to get that four in a row. Mm-hmm. And if there is a situation that they kind of anyway kind of falter and falter and it uh, unstart before in this last run, and then Derry take advantage of it. It could end up that they could end up in second position. You have to admire, though, how Declan Devine has managed that Bohemians team this year mm-hmm. um, and the, the, the transformation of them. But even 
you're looking at their crowds, you're looking at the the, the restructuring of, of of how they have their supporters and everything. It's it, There's a really good vibe around Bohemians at the yeah. moment, and I think that that's, that has to be admired, and that permeates from Declan Devine, and and he's, like, I don't know if you've ever met him, an absolute, yeah. gentle, an absolute gentleman, yeah. and you could see why players would want to play for him, and, you know, I, um, they've just really really come on this year and it just goes to show you that while Keith Long was an was an excellent manager maybe things just you know it ran its course yeah, it needed fresh it up needed, needed needed a fresh impetus and that's and that's exactly what Declan Devine has brought then you have St Pat's who were looking like a, a laughing stock at the start of the season and look what look what's happened with mm-hmm. them they're just They've yeah, been. I think they, but they, but the only disappointing thing they've had this year is Europe. So, like, I mean, yeah. all in all, they've they've had a very very good year. So, like, it's 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 it's, tr- and then you've got ourselves. You know, it's it's looking like it's going to be a very interesting uh, tail end of the season of how who's going to finish up in what position. And as you said, there's going to be somebody upset at the end of the year. Yeah. And I think if. But as I as I reiterated to my first point, if the mantra is that we just focus on one game at a time, you never know what's going to happen come season's end. I just, yeah. I don't know what's in me. Please forgive me. I have this idea in my head. Third position, cup final. That'd be nice. Yeah, that would, that be, would, extre- be, nice. That would be extremely good. Especially, especially if Derry go on and can guarantee, you know, a, a decent coefficient, your, a cup final win could guarantee Europa... Uh, Europa League qualification, yeah, um, like, that's massive. Two oh, bites abso- of cherry. Oh, absolutely, it's huge. And I think I I was kind of very um, bewildered at the fact that there was no situation in which we had a Europa League qualification spot. Yeah. That kind of really annoyed me because I think it kind of devalued our league a little bit over the mm-hmm. past couple of years with it. But now the fact that we have a situation in which, you know, as you said, a coefficient could lead to that, that's that's good for us. It's good for the league and it's good for our value. And um, I think we've shown particularly the, the there's, I have a lot, I have a lot of praise for the conference league, but I also have a lot of criticism that you just have these big clubs coming out of nowhere in the third and the fourth. Like, I mean, Club Bruges on another year should be qualifying for the Europa League. Like yeah. in reality, that's the situation. And I was under the impression that 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 the Europa Conference League was was designed in such a way that clubs from the Faroe Islands, Iceland, Ireland, and stuff like that would have a chance of qualifying for, you know, a, a group stages, mm-hmm. and the and the financial and TV benefits that lies with it. And it just seems that the lines have been very much blurred. Now, the only thing I'm going to say is that I'm, uh, I know that we defeated them a couple of years ago. I am thrilled for K.I. Kalaskovic at the moment. I just think oh, yeah. they're absolutely. an absolute, what a dream they're, story. They're, they're, they're a fairy tale, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's very similar to us in 2016 and 2020. So like, I mean, it's, it's, it's brilliant when you hear those kind of stories coming through, but mm-hmm. um, uh, I just hope that we do kind of continue to improve our coefficients and stuff like that. And Derry are now flying the flag for that. So that mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, that next year we'll have a situation in which we'll have one team in Champions League qualification, one team in Europa League and two in Conference League. And I think that's the natural thing that we should be in this league. Um, I think it's only, I think it's only right that whoever finishes second in our domestic league gets a chance in the Europa League. Yeah. Yes, look, and it uh, wouldn't it be great if Dundalk was to be able to be in the mix <laughs> for that position here. Uh, we love look, the Europa League campaign. We love it. 
We love it. We do. We're, we're the Europa League specialists. Yeah. Um, look, Kieran, I want to thank you uh, for no jumping problem. on tonight and for Tom and Gallier. You're on. Thank yeah. you, everybody, for all your comments as well. Thanks, as always, um, to Dundalk Village and Donald Green for the overall sponsorship of the podcast. Player Fit, of course, for Emerging Lights and Finney and everybody at Tony's Pizzeria as well for our man match competition. I think Kieran's pretty summed it up around there. We've got to just take each game as they come. And our next one is our train stop down to Bray, uh, where Dickie Kelly will be back on a Bray pitch for the first time, he told us earlier. Uh, the oh. first time he's played in a Bray pitch um, as an opposition player. He's never, never played um, there before. Yeah. So he'll be, he'll be looking forward to that. Let's hope it's another fairy tale ending for Dickie Kelly yeah. um, on that pitch. That would be nice. And we can keep this uh, cup run and dream going because it could be one of our best outlets to get and mm. um, guarantee ourselves some sort of European football and I suppose you have it in your own hands you're not waiting for somebody yeah. else and that's the key thing um, for a lot of but look until next week where we'll back again with another live podcast straight after the cup match until then come on the turn come on the turn